Hello, and welcome to the Meltdown City Podcast. I'm Nicole. And I'm Allie. This podcast is about getting unstuck out of your comfort zone and changing things up, all while not taking yourself too seriously, or us either. Come laugh, get inspired, and have fun. Thanks for listening. I'm Nicole. And I'm Allie. Today, we have Reagan Walsh with us as our guest. She is an NYU certified executive and life coach who focuses on helping women who are overprogrammed and underwhelmed reclaim their lives, both personally and professionally. Reagan has coached hundreds of women through her one-on-one and group coaching programs, and she is regularly asked to give keynotes and facilitates workshops for Fortune 500 companies, including Nike, QuickBooks, and nationwide to audiences ranging from 50 to 500. Reagan contributes to Harvard Business Review and Forbes and has been featured in NBC.com, Fast Company, and Columbus CEO. She is located in Columbus, Ohio, and coaches women from all over the world. Welcome to the show, Reagan. Ladies, I am so jazzed to be here tonight. Thank you. We are so excited to have you on the show. Yay. Well, thank you. Thank you. So, Reagan, why don't you get us started with telling us a little bit about your story and also how did you decide to get into life coaching? Yeah. So my story is one, in terms of my professional story, I have had experiences in several different arenas and I've, I've worked in corporate America. I've done the startup uh, grind. I have worked in creative agencies and I really do believe that every chapter I've had in my career led me to Um, becoming a coach. And it was at my last chapter before I started my business, working in a nonprofit space where I had um, the real privilege to work with a woman who does executive coaching for other women within our community. And to be honest, I didn't know being a coach was a profession. But Mm -hmm. after I met with her and attended one of her retreats, and she really played the role of mentor in my life, I realized that every single role I had had, like literally dating back to elementary school, required that I be an an incredible listener, that I hold people's information um, with confidence and and confidentiality. And Mm -hmm. um, it just was like everything that I have ever done in my life led me to knowing that I was supposed to take this leap and become a coach. And and that's exactly what I did. And I'm so glad to have uh, taken that risk. It's been really amazing. We can't Congratulations. Yeah. Congratulations. We can't wait to hear more about that. So when you jumped ship and started working for yourself, like, can you talk a little bit about, were you scared and how did you overcome that? And that, that the whole process of leaving, leaving the security of a regular job to going and working for yourself? I was scared shitless. And this (laughs) is why. So I had, I, I didn't just have a job, but I had a job that many considered a dream job. So I was working for a camp for children with serious illnesses. I had started there before the camp had even opened their doors. So my job, I was hired as the chief storytelling officer my job was to create the brand of the camp from the ground up to do all wow. the PR, to tell the stories of the children we would be serving. Mm-hmm. And so throughout the four years I had at Flying Horse Farms, I got to know all of these incredible children, hundreds of children living with different 
illnesses ranging from heart disease to cancer to uh, kidney disease, all of these different things. And I got to tell their stories. And um, I, I got to know the children. I got to know their parents. I became close with all the volunteers that worked at the camp. So literally, this job was a dream job. And, um, when I remember when finally I, I talked to my CEO who I reported to, and I said, I, I have to take this chance. And she was also really supportive of anything I ever wanted to do, which had she not been supportive, I don't know if I would have had the courage, but Mm. once the news got out, literally hundreds of people asked me why I would leave. Oh, I had a great gig. You know, it makes sense to leave when you're miserable. But it doesn't make sense to leave a really great job in hopes that you can create something even better. So I was Mm -hmm. scared to death. Um, So I left that job in April. And for me, getting uh, credentials was really important. So then um, NYU had a program that started in June. So between April and June, I learned I was pregnant with my first child. And wow. so like I left a job, I found out I was pregnant, I was going to be starting a business. So it was really scary for me. <laughs> I, I didn't know if any of this was going to work. Um, and, and I really had to like give it my all to, to make sure that it would succeed, at least, you know, try. And, and thankfully it did. That is so inspiring. I, I'm just sitting here thinking about all of those things all at once, you know, being pregnant, to go, doing some new training, jumping starting your own business like that is a lot well and you should probably like interview my husband because when he tells the story (laughs) we got married the november before all of this happened so november we get married january i talked to him and he's like yeah this is your last winter there i think you're gonna go start a business january was when i told my boss and then, you know, I left in April. So my husband's name is Nick and he'll say, remember that one time we got married and then, you know, seven <laughs> weeks later you gave notice and then you moved away when you were pregnant with our first child. Like it's a very funny and not traditional uh, story, but that's exactly what happened. And, you know, thank goodness he was so supportive because he was like, yeah, of course you're going to do that. It was never, uh, there was never any conflict from him, which is why you need to marry a good person if you choose yeah. to get married. Yeah. 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 So you moved away when you were pregnant, huh? I moved away when I was pregnant and I lived, so I got an Airbnb and I had worked in New York city right out of college, but I always lived in Hoboken. And uh-huh. so this is like really critical. So I always pretended I lived in Manhattan, but I never did because I never had enough money. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. Like, so in my mind, when people would be like, Oh, where are you? And I would say New York city which was kind of true. I worked there, but I didn't live there. Mm-hmm. So getting an Airbnb for that summer to get this training was really important to me. And then I had like two really heavy suitcases that I carried up four flights of stairs. Again, mm-hmm. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, mm-hmm. should I be <laughs> this much? Like, should I do, <laughs> do these types of stairs in phases, like one suitcase at a time? So like the whole thing was so comical um, and, and also stressful. Like I remember feeling stressed, but it, you know, it all unfolded exactly as it should. Yeah. Wow. How did you just, I want to back up for just a quick second about how, was there any part before you decided to leave your amazing job that, you know, you know, you actually enjoyed and other people were envious of, 
Was there any like going back and forth and being like, can I really do this? You know, or like any uncertainty before like executing and deciding to leave that you had to grapple with that you can share with us? You know, other than I am sure there was some self-doubt, like, am I crazy to do this? But I really felt like in my gut that I was supposed to do something uh better for me. Like, I mm. think that my gift to this, to that camp mm-hmm. was when they were in startup mode, my gift is that of connecting people. And I, because of my connections was able to help get that camp, you know, operating because of all of the friends and like former colleagues that banded together and gave us discounts and, you know, helped us with all of the things that we needed. Um, mm-hmm. I felt like I was leaving that camp in a handing the baton over to somebody else that could maintain. And I am somebody that really thrives in like creation. And so Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like that was a mistake. I just felt nervous because it's like, oh my gosh, I'm betting on myself. But I knew that I had to, like, Mm -hmm. I just knew that I had to. Sure. That's great. I love that. Yeah. That's so wonderful. And what do you, what has been a common theme with, the women you work with and do you see any patterns in terms of like your coaching career and and how long you've been doing this? Um, so there are a few themes. The, the number one theme I would say is that women get to a point where they have all these things that they thought they were like chasing and they finally got to where they wanted to be. And then they're not excited about it. So I call it Mm -hmm. like, they're just underwhelmed, right? There's almost Mm -hmm. an, epidemic of women. Um, certainly they're feeling overwhelmed. That is a theme, but the fact that they're also underwhelmed, like they have this life on paper that they wanted, but they get there and they're just not enjoying it. So Mm. I think that's why a lot of them, um, arrive right in my office or over the phone with me. And then we uncover, you know, a lot of times they're just so over-programmed that they don't even know what it's like to enjoy a day, right? They have no breathing room to even mm-hmm. determine what it is that they want. They're just operating minute to minute, serving yeah. other people and, and carrying the invisible load of being a mom, of being mm-hmm. a, um, a spouse, of being a daughter or a sister or a member in the community, or they're serving on boards or they're you know, donating, um, time to their kids' school. Like I could go on and on. And, and that's, what's called the invisible load, um, of of all the decisions and things that they carry and they're just exhausted. Mm -hmm. And I actually have a great example to to clearly paint the invisible load. A few Mm -hmm. weeks ago, um, it was the night or two days before Valentine's day. And my kids kept saying, Oh, the Valentine party is tomorrow, which would have been the 13th. And in my mind, I'm like, no, it's the 14th, you know, Valentine's yeah. parties happen on Valentine's day. Right. I knew that to be true. Mm-hmm. And it turns out they didn't have school on the 14th. So number one, oh. I missed the memo that the school was going to be closed on Friday, which caused a scramble. But mm-hmm. I also like thought I had extra time to pull together all their Valentines because my kids are still young. Like they're not old enough to pull off 24 Valentines. Like, you know, right. the whole thing is absurd. And I asked my husband, <laughs> I said, have you spent any time thinking about making or buying Valentine's for the girls school Valentine party. And he's like, what are you even talking about? 
But women, <laughs> moms, Mm-hmm. always have to anticipate, like I knew it was coming because I just know, I know that Valentine's party day parties exist and that Valentine's are exchanged. But my husband is clueless, right? He's not anticipating that need. And so women that come to me are exhausted because they are constantly anticipating <laughs> needs for mm-hmm. everybody in their life, not just for themselves, but for their kids, for their spouses, for their colleagues. They spend their entire day anticipating other people's needs and then fulfilling those needs. And no one's Mm -hmm. fulfilling their needs. And that's a problem. I'm Reagan. I'm sitting over here and I'm thinking about, we have a lot of male listeners. (laughs) Sorry, guys. This is an opportunity for growth. This is exactly right. This is what I'm thinking is like, this is an opportunity for growth. There is a clear opportunity there, right? And... Yeah, there's an opportunity for growth. And it's not like the men are doing it on purpose. We are really wired differently. Like Nick, my husband looked at me and he's like, what do you mean? Have I been spending time thinking about the Valentine party? (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I just laughed. And he's like, you're now you're going to go post about it on Instagram. I'm like, I sure am. Because this is something that we deal with. And I think it, you know, it, it brings um, at least laughter and it makes it lighter when I share my invisible load with other women because everybody mm-hmm. understands what it's like. Yeah. Like Allie, probably you're, you, I don't, I mean, I know Andrew helps out, but like, yeah, you know, I mean, you're thinking about lunches, you're thinking about clothes, you're thinking about laundry, you're thinking about blah, 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 and dinner tonight. And I mean, I don't know. Oh yeah. No, when I'm thinking about this though, Reagan, I'm, yeah, I I totally identify with it, but I actually think about it too, in terms of just like the spousal relationship and, you know, um, that invisible like processing that you're doing about the fight that you just had, or like, maybe we should go on a date night soon because we haven't connected as people in, you know, 30 days or 60 Mm -hmm. or 90, you know, or like (laughs) however the cadence should be in your life and your relationship or just some of those, all that invisible processing and worry and, you know, like regulation that happens even to get a relationship from point A to point B. Like, I feel like the women put a lot of the work into cultivating a lot of things that, you know, something new, a new relationship. And yes, Valentine's Day. Yeah. And all of those things. It's Mm -hmm. interesting because I do have, so I have a lot of women that talk to me about their relationships and and wanting to rekindle. And to, I'm going to give a plug to all the men listening. I do think that oftentimes women um, put their kids before their spouses Mm -hmm. And that can cause the breakdown. And I'm very uh, deliberate when I share this, that I put my needs first. I put Mm -hmm. my needs as a wife and a partner to Nick second, and I put my children third. And Mm -hmm. because I do that, that means that I have regular date nights. That means I have a sex life. That Mm -hmm. means I have, you know, tonight dinner. Um, I had a day where I went going all day long and Nick was, you know, running to the hockey game and Mm -hmm. I got home and Nick had dinner like in the warming oven. Like he was my 1950s housewife, but it meant the (laughs) world. You know what I mean? So we're Mm -hmm. very intentional about like, what can we do to show up for each other to show that we're in this together, right? As we hand off duties or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I do think that 
I mean, men and women both need to work on it. But a lot of times women just feel like, no, I have to give everything to my kids and anything left over can go to my husband. And I challenge that. I, I would challenge that. That is so wise. And thank you for saying that too, because I think that still even like my husband and I dashed out for one hour and left our three kids, 10, seven, and five alone with our 10 year old for one hour to do some like grown up be like cell phone, you know, upgrade type stuff that they would be a total disaster situation. Uh, that would be a disaster. And my mom was like, Oh, I worry about them when you're gone, you know? And it's just like, you know what? If, you know, Wilder's going to be 12 in two years and he can legally babysit and, you know, he's very responsible and, you know, all these things, but you get these pressures on you to not, you know, to always focus on the children first since the sacrifice yes. to yourself and then your marriage and all. Yeah. It's really backwards. I think it's a lot so of the backwards. programming and messaging. Yeah. It's totally I, backwards. Uh, it just makes you crazy. Right. But I think mm-hmm. that the smartest thing that any of us can do is to is to invest in your personal growth and invest mm-hmm. in your self care. And when you do that, everybody around you wins. Yeah, and is that, that for the men too? Yeah, is that um, can that sort of filter into this topic you speak on called your life, your terms? It's exactly like, that. Yes. So it's all around your life, living your life on your terms is all around getting clear on what matters to you most and why it matters and then getting rid of anything that's just noise, right? So um, saying no to the extra board assignment, saying no to the Pinterest perfect cupcakes, saying no to um, going on vacation with your extended family or going on vacation with other friends when what you really need to do is go on vacation alone with your spouse. So it's getting (laughs) clear, right, on what it is you need and why you need it. And then saying no to the rest and and making your life, like making a blueprint to set you up for success and and to really live life on your own terms. But in order to do that, you you need to define what success is to you, what matters and, and what it means to win. Um, in this season of life. You know, I was just sitting here thinking about as you were talking, you know, we're sort of, we're inundated depending on who who you are, if you're like on social media all the time, like about like these images of how your life should be or whatever. And, and I think, you know, cutting some of that out so that you're not getting the wrong message all the time or the message that's, I don't know, putting you down or making you feel bad about who you are, you should be doing more or whatever it is. Like we can have some control over, you know, cutting up, cutting out the bullshit so that we can like, like the noise, you know, for sure. And I, I said this probably six times today, you are in control of the pace of your life, right? So why are we letting other people control it? Why are we letting other people should us into thinking we need to do all of these things for all these other people when we're barely even like, you know, treading water back at home or in our individual lives. So I am a big advocate for um, just showing up for yourself and doing what feels right to you and, and not trying to keep up with the Joneses and the Smiths and the Johnsons and whoever else lives on your block. Hmm. Yeah. Wise, wise advice. Yeah. <laughs> And what what else do you see that we as humans do to hold ourselves back? And do you have any tips for overcoming that? 
So I think that the number one thing that we do to hold ourselves back is to tell ourselves no, something is not possible before we even get started. So we're shutting down our ideas and our dreams before we even breathe life into them. We come up with, you know, the thousands of reasons why this isn't going to work versus the one reason it's going to kick ass, right? And so I think that, um, it, you know, that could have been me before starting this business. I could have written all the reasons why starting a business while I was, you know, in my first trimester of pregnancy wasn't going to work. Or I could have said, but what if it works? What is that outcome? And I right. can start using my energy and having the mindset that, wow, you know what? This actually has legs and what I'm feeling other people are feeling. And my experience actually is perfect for helping guide people through transitions and change. So I think it's all around um, not letting fear get in our way. And in, in order to do that, I would say, like, what is the positive mindset? What would that person say? What is the next best step? Like, so every day, what is one step you can take to get closer, right? And when you fall down, visit Pity City if you need to, but like dust yourself off and then keep going. Like everybody is going to fail. Everybody's going to have a hard day, but I think it's all around learning how to bounce forward and just keep taking the next best steps, um, even when it's hard. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I am... Um, I just keep thinking about, you know, the possibility of like, what if it works? What if the thing that you want actually happens? What if, what if like, like that's, um, well, you're so right. We definitely, we say no before we even start. And then, but the bigger question and the more amazing question is what happens if it actually, ha if it works out? We don't spend much time there. I think we spend so much time in the no. I just, I'm, I like actually got moved to tears while you were talking. So, oh my gosh. Well, you know, <laughs> telling yourself no is safe, right? Telling yourself that you deserve to succeed and that you are worthy of your daydreams. Well, that's scary. You know, that does move you to tears. I've cried a lot because there's, you know, change and change is scary, but that's because I'm growing. Um, and it's real comfortable to stay in the no zone, but the minute yeah. you can shift that and say, wow, okay, what if, what does that, how does that story end? Um, I I've had, I mean, this is a little bit of a tangent, but years ago I was married to a different person and I didn't like my life. And I spent most of my days daydreaming about a different life. Not a specific person or not like I just daydreamed of a life where I was truly living life on my own terms. And I am here to tell you that I am doing just that today. And had I not had the courage to leave something, I come from a traditional, like conservative Catholic family. There's no divorce in our family, right? That's not something you do. I almost stayed in a life story that didn't make sense for me. Yeah. Had I not had the courage to say, you know what, I am 28 and I'm scared shitless, but I need to end this. I wouldn't be married to this like foxy man from Minnesota who, but did I ever say this? I got home tonight and he had the dinner like in the toaster oven, like with foil covered. He had my dinner waiting for me tonight. That's and amazing. we have these two beautiful girls and, you know, he honors my need to grow a business and invest in self-care and I honor his need to go to a hockey game. And, you know, <laughs> like my life is really great. My life is hard, 
but my mm-hmm. life kicks ass. Everybody's life is hard and you can choose to have a hard life and not have a good life, or you can choose to have a hard life and really live it on your own terms. And it's more fun living on yeah. your own terms. Oh my God. That's so gutsy and ballsy. I'm proud of you for doing that. I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people who, you know, who stray or cheat are just people like you who are miserable and are too afraid to leave, you know, or maybe they have different reasons for not leaving. I don't want to be judgmental, but I think it's great when you can like honor what your heart is telling you. I don't think enough people in the world really do that. I still can't believe I actually did it, but I'm so, so glad. And everybody around me is like, yeah, this life story makes sense. And we didn't understand what you were doing then. It's, it's just funny. Like, but now they see it. Well, and they saw it then, but nobody wanted to say like, why are you marrying this person? Like that would feel bad. Oh, um, uh-huh. You know what I mean? But like, and also nobody is really thinking about every life choice. And I think that goes with the fear. Like the fear side of me didn't want to end something that wasn't right because of what I thought others might say. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But people don't really care. P- everybody's in their own minds living their yes. life and worried about what everybody else is thinking. They're not thinking yes. about you. That's so yeah. true. And yes. so do you give, you give, you give um, professional advice, but it also sounds like you do a fair share of just life advice and even relationship advice. Is that correct? Um, I am very cautious that I don't ever try to, I, as a coach, I never tell anybody what to do. I might, um, I might ask open-ended questions to get them thinking about their choices. I, on like a connection front, I do sometimes, you know, plant seeds about how, um, women I coach can rekindle things like with their Mm -hmm. spouse. And so I might Mm -hmm. encourage them to try to reconnect or try to be spontaneous or, or to remember like when they had that passionate love affair, like before they got married or whatever it was, what that was like. But um, I'm actually very cautious. I would never, I don't give advice. I ask really good questions. Right, right, right. Yes, that is much more appropriate. Yeah, I mean, I tell stories um, through social media that are personal to me that people might gain insight from, but, but yeah, certainly I never tell people what to do. Yeah. I keep thinking Reagan about how my life could be different. (laughs) if I just prioritized myself and then my husband and then my children and wow, it could be remarkably different than it is now and feel a whole lot better. And I hope that you'll take time to like write down, like, what would it feel like? What Mm -hmm. would it look like? What, mm-hmm. you know, what would be different if you did that mm-hmm. um, and then try it? Yes, I will do that. And I will t- touch back base with you on, on what happened. I'm yes, that's an assignment. assignment. Okay. It sounds great. You got that, Sundet? Okay. How, so how do you balance everything in your busy life, Reagan? I mean, you sort of talked on it about the way that you prioritize, but is there anything that you do like... Uh, sort of, I don't know, routine wise or to, to keep the balance in your life? I want to be clear that I think balance is bullshit. I don't believe it exists. Okay. So, that being said, <laughs> like who's, who believes that's such a dumb concept? Ugh, right? I mean, like we know that's not possible, but we all still hear those words. Right. Totally. 
Yeah. And strive for balance. Really? I didn't know that because I've been trying to reach balance for a while. Oh my God. And I fail every time. So it's actually really refreshing to hear you say that. Well, good. Okay. (laughs) It's an attainable goal. Okay. No, it's so silly because balance like implies that you give equal time and energy to everything. Right. And we know that Mm -hmm. can't happen. So we don't. And we don't. Yeah. Like that's when it comes to um, gaining clarity on what matters to you. So for me right now in this season, uh, my work and I, I, I bucket my work and like personal growth together because it's so like it's hand in hand. So my work and personal growth, uh, my family and health and wellness, that is my concern right now. There was a season in my life where I did a ton of volunteering and I was really involved in my community. I right now am not logging hours volunteering. I don't feel bad about that. I, you know, will donate. I will give in other ways, but right now I'm not giving time to volunteer because I want to be present and give that time to my kids. Because if I were volunteering, that would be the time I would have with my kids. So then I'd be hiring a babysitter to watch them for me to go do good. That doesn't Mm -hmm, work for me. What I am willing to do is open my checkbook and donate to causes that I'm passionate about. So I'm not like balanced in terms of like giving to my community or, um, you know, other areas in life, but I'm really deliberate about like how I spend my time. And there are certain days like this last, the last few weeks or all of 2020 has been a total gong show for me. And some of that (laughs) is my fault because I, you know, I have certain projects that are overlapping and ones that, you know, a few are about to end and a couple have got started a little early and I knew that was happening. And I am just like breathing uncomfortably for the next few weeks until the, the, some of these things are over and then my life will seem easier, but you know, there's never a balance. There are some days that I'm sprinting all day long, like today. And then there are some days where I'm really intentional about, you know, not meeting with clients. And instead I, use time to write and to exercise and to, you know, make appointments with mentors or friends or whatever to give me a break from the client work. So it's literally about, um, you know, pulling different levers on different days and and just doing the best that I can, Mm -hmm. but it's not balanced, but it's happy. That's that's, great. That's amazing. That's, I think that's what we're all striving for. (laughs) Did you learn all of this in your coaching training or is a lot of this, you know, uh, content you've, um, things that you've kind of created on your own and through your learnings and discoveries? I, most of it is just through learning and discovery and like feeling what feels good to me. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, what I learned when I went to NYU was more, um, like tactical and, you know, executive speak, um, just through life and, and understanding what works for me. And then also I've coached thousands of people over, you know, we're on five and a half years that I've owned this business. So I have a lot of, um, anecdotal data from clients that I have learned from and seen Mm -hmm. the shifts that they've made to know that this stuff works. Mm -hmm. How did you build your clientele? As, as a brand new person out there doing this work, how did that happen? And yeah. was it so my first hard? client? I was actually just sharing. I have a friend that just started um, a health coaching business, like health and uh, wellness business. And she got her first client that 
was like a true first client that was somebody that didn't know her. And I was sharing that. I remember the woman's name who was my first paying client that I did not know. And it all happened through that mentor of mine, the the coach that I had the opportunity to work with when I was still employed, she Mm -hmm. started sending me referrals. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it started by referral and then it was word of mouth. And now it's, you know, people do a Google search or they see me on Instagram or they've read, you know, I, I published some articles on Forbes and Harvard business reviews. So they might find me there or they've heard me speak at their company. And it just kind of, um, it just happens. There's a snowball effect. The minute you say, you know, I'm doing this and then you Mm -hmm. get that first client, you just need to get the first yes. And then Mm -hmm. all the other yeses follow. Nice. That's That's amazing. It is. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. Do you have any advice for people shifting to try new career paths in their forties? Yeah, sure. Um, in their forties, I would say, I mean, it doesn't really matter, I guess what age you're in. Yeah. No. Um, Yeah. Advice. Number one is to, uh, tell people what it is you're doing. What is it that you want? So, so often we think that people know what it is we daydream about, that they should instinctually know where it is we're trying to go. So you need to get really clear and tell everybody you know what it is you want, why you want it, where you're headed, how they can help you. Because Mm -hmm. people like to help people, right? Mm -hmm. But you need to tell them how they can help you. So I think my advice is um, don't like make sure you don't let fear get in the way and then start putting some like breath behind your idea and tell people about it and um, start mapping out a plan. What would it look like if you asked your employer to work four days a week instead of five? What would it look like if you went part-time? What would it look like if you just left one day? Um, what would it look like if you left in six months? How? What support systems do you have? What is your financial um, situation? So to look into all of those things so that you can Mm -hmm. feel confident, um, when, when the time is right to make those, those steps out one door and and create your, your next door. Mm -hmm. That's a great step. I also think like, don't like 40. So I'm 42, almost 43. It would be so silly to stay somewhere just because like, that's comfortable. We have too much life left. Right? I know. We're like we're so young. It's mm-hmm. it it would be so silly just to take the easy way out because of fear. Like if you right, have right. an idea, you have that idea because it's your unique idea and you should probably investigate how to make it come to life. Wow. I I'm like I'm I've spent a lot of time thinking about how people and myself included, you know, this idea that we're, we're sort of programmed to think, you know, you get this job and then you're in it for until you retire. But like, that is so, I mean, I'm not, oh God, I'm about to be offensive. I, I, I like, that is so uninteresting to me. I, I want to try and that would not be for everybody, but like, it's like, for me, I'm, I'm branching out right now because I want to think about, we have all this time, like until we're supported retirement age. That's like 20 years, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Like I a long time. 
Yeah. I think it would be a total snooze fest to do <laughs> like one thing for your life. I feel so lucky. I've worked in um, like this fun production agency where we put on live events all over the world. Like my first job out of college, they, I was there and they're like, Oh, PS, you're going to Dubai in a couple months. I'm like, where's Dubai? And Google didn't exist. And I had to like, you know, look at a world map because I didn't know it was that long ago. And also just being ignorant. Um, and then I got to work in like for a fortune 100 company. And then I got to work for a really like creative agency. And then I got to do a startup and now I get to run my business. Each one of those chapters was so exciting for different reasons um, that mm -hmm. I can't imagine like for me and my personality, what is like my worst nightmare is to, and I can say this because I interviewed at a place like this, uh, to have to like use one of those security badges to like swipe your way in and out of a company. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do. Yeah. Heck yeah. yeah, I do. Uh, I remember I interviewed at a place like that and it's a very prestigious company here in Columbus and a friend of mine worked there and I was wearing like textured tights with this cute, you know, little skirt and like a power blazer. And my friend laughed when she saw me in the lobby and she said, you're wearing textured tights for an interview here. And I was like, where the <laughs> fuck am I interviewing? I don't want to be interviewing anywhere where these textured tights are a problem. And it was a nude, <laughs> it was a nude hose environment. Like if I wasn't wearing nude really? hose, I was never going to fit in. And I was oh texting tights, you know? And that's so like, crazy. I just think, you know, if that's not your personality and it's fine, think, you know, it's good that there are people that can do that because those businesses are all really important and adding value in other sure. like arenas. But if that's not you and you're trying to fit in into the nude hose environment and your texture tight, <laughs> that is a sad way to live. You deserve <laughs> to like free yourself. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Don't turn your back on yourself. That's no. a really good wake up call moment. I love I know. That. I'm like, you're using your security badge to like zip through the, you know, the gate. Oh, oh I just can't even imagine. <laughs> Oh my goodness. I love it. Uh, the moments that define us. Right. I like that one. Buying nude hose. Think uh, twice. Rethink yourself. Rethink about it. Yeah. Like if you, if you, that doesn't bring you joy, then like, <laughs> find a way out. Oh my God. Fantastic. Oh my gosh. So you might know that this one might be coming. So we have, we talk about our funny little meltdowns, like, on our show is it you know it's melt on moments where you know like whatever like a couple weeks ago my laptop was stolen and you know anyway is there anything that happened to you lately that you would call like a meltdown moment i mean i'm not kidding i i was joke like i knew of course i knew this was coming and i was like should i offer to go down my meltdowns like alphabetically like since <laughs> or like which which one for me so i have a meltdown in January and February, it's been consistent for five years. So you would know, like you would think that I would anticipate the meltdown and do something about it. But for me, it is um, Thanksgiving, the holiday gong show. My daughter's birthday is in early January. Like my in-laws typically visit like Thanksgiving and then her birthday, managing all of Christmas, buying all the gifts, all of that. So come January, my husband's uh, company always has like an annual sales meeting for a week. 
And then I like lose, I lose my shit every January, February. And so for me, I, it's been a little bit of a constant state of a meltdown where I've been just feeling a little bit uneasy. And it came to a head over the weekend when my daughter said, (laughs) my older daughter said, mom, your, your language feels very angry. And inside I like, I was like, what the fuck? Like, what is she talking about? Why is she using words? Like my language feels angry. (laughs) And I thought I was holding it together. Right. Like, so I thought I was being really patient, but kids pick up on it. And that's not the first time she said it. She said something similar over the last week a handful of times. And it's all like my younger daughter has had two and a half weeks of this ear infection that we can't clear up. And she fights her medicine every single day, which is either depending on which medicine it's either twice a day or three times a day. And so two Mm. to three times a day, I am being like, I am in this battle where I start the first 10 minutes of the battle thinking I'm going to be kind and gentle <laughs> and super collected. And this time it's not going to bother me. And then minute 11 kicks in and I'm like, you're just going to fucking take the medicine and I'm going to hold you down and you're going to take it. And then the older one is like, mom, your language feels very angry. <laughs> so then I just went into the closet and cried because of course I'm like, okay, I'm the worst mother. I am causing trauma because I'm trying to like force medicine into my child when she doesn't want it. And then, you know, so it's, it's exhaustion from the holiday gong show, the birthday, you know, which I don't even really do birthday parties yet, but it's like anticipating the fact that we have to have a birthday and and celebrate and make, (laughs) you know, her day feel special without like all of her friends, but still make it feel really special. And then my husband traveling, and then I just kind of lost it. Um, because of this like ear infection and I went into my closet and cried. Oh yeah. That's a lot. That is so much. It is a lot. And and there are times when I have meltdowns, uh, you know, I had a meltdown last, I remember last January because I was still doing all of my accounting and I'm just like, you know what, this is not my strength. Why am I spending one minute doing this? And I was at my (laughs) office late one night and I was like literally sobbing at my desk. And then I called my accountant and I'm like, do you do monthly bookkeeping? Because this, like, I am never doing this again. And then I came Mm -hmm. home and I'm like sobbing to my husband. I'm like, what? You know, there's, I have a meltdown every January, January slash February. And most years, which didn't happen this year, which is why I'm feeling it. I know it's coming. And so then I actually go away for two nights by myself. Oh, like give myself a gift. And so I'll go to Chicago or I'll just like, you know, go somewhere and spend the night in a hotel by myself. The first year I thought I was going to take a friend with me. And uh, then I kind of like dropped the idea with her. She's like, yeah, I would love to go. And then I never brought it up again. And then I had talked about how I went to Chicago by myself. And my friend was like, wasn't that the trip I was supposed to go with you? (laughs) And I was like, yeah, but I actually just needed to be by myself in a hotel and not Mm -hmm. have anybody asking me to do anything. I just wanted to be alone. And order room service and watch movies. So anyway, next year, I, I promise you the end of January, I will book some time away. That is so great. I mean, good for you because I have to, I always, am, I'm always wondering about that thing. Like, well, oh, I could go to lunch with somebody. Cause I love to go to lunch with my friends. Cause I, I work pretty close to where a lot of them live now. And that's such a luxury just to be like with my friends for an hour Yeah. Um, and, but there are also times when I'm like, 
I kind of just want to be alone and like what, you know, but then this and then this and then this, and it's like that alone time is really critical and it really helps you recharge your battery. So it's good to get it. It focus on it. it. Yeah. If you are somebody that, that benefits you, I mean, I do have friends that hate to be alone, but like Mm -hmm. I, when Nick and I first started dating, he traveled a lot and I loved it because that meant I could still have dinner alone half of the week. And Mm I, I will go to a restaurant and I'll sit alone at a restaurant and I love it versus like other people would be like, what you're going out to dinner by yourself on a Friday night. What is wrong with you? I'm like, no, I love that shit. It's just like Mm. exciting for me. Um, So if it's, if, if being alone is like adds fuel to you, then for sure you have to create it. Yes, you do. Wow. Those are great meltdowns. Oh my gosh. Thanks so much <laughs> and for sharing. totally relatable. I mean, oh my God, the medicine thing. Uh, oh goodness. I mean, we had to is- give my kids some antibiotics for like a few weeks for a major injury that he had had. And it was torture. We, we like, I would try and then my husband would try and then my 10 year old son would try. Like we tried. I mean, it is really hard. It's so hard. And then I also have, because like, I'm a little bit of an extremist in my mind, like then I'm thinking of the worst case scenario and all of these (laughs) children that have severe medical conditions that literally have way bigger deals to deal with every single day. And Mm -hmm. then like my kid just needs to take an antibiotic and I am having a meltdown. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, what about all the parents out there that have really serious situations and their kids don't want any of that either. And then you mm-hmm. feel bad for that because I'm like, this mm-hmm. is no big deal. Why am why do I feel so angry at her for not wanting this when there's so many other things that are bigger, but yeah, that's a, for a different that's the human day. in us. Yeah. That's yeah. the human in us. It's relative, right? We all have our own sets of problems. Yeah, you're this right. It's true. This is true. Well, it has been so fun talking to you, Reagan. I just want to give a quick shout out that if anybody who's listening wants to go follow Reagan on Instagram, it's at Reagan Walsh underscore life coach. Also, if you go to her website, ReaganWalsh.com, she and you subscribe to her email list, you'll get access to all sorts of cool tools. And Allie, didn't you start working on some of those? I did. I'm totally working on it. I, I'm, I read her emails. I open them. I got my workbook out and I'm doing my small little baby steps to like get that, diminish that fear, understand my values and like get to the next step. Ugh, I, I found it that. so helpful. Please keep <laughs> me posted on how all of those things unfold. I will. I sure will. Well, it has been so much fun and such a pleasure to have you on the show. I can't believe this interview is almost over. I, I can keep talking to you. It's so just the longer. beginning of our friendship though. The interview is yes. and then it's just the beginning. I'm going to come right. out to Seattle and I'm going to buy you dinner and we're going to continue the conversation. Oh, Yay. I can't wait. That sounds like so much fun. We'll buy you dinner. If you're yeah. going to make it all the way out here, we'll take you out to dinner. Okay, yeah. cool, fine. Cool. Sure. Okay. All right. Well, peace out, Reagan. Thanks, ladies. Have a good yeah. night. Thank yeah, you, you, too. you too. Thank you. Okay, bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in today. Please follow us on Instagram at Meltdown City Podcast or on Facebook at Meltdown City Podcast, or you can follow us on Twitter at Meltdown City Pod. Come check out our website, MeltdownCityPodcast.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on wherever you listen to our podcasts. You can email us at MeltdownCityPodcast at gmail.com. 
for any stories, suggestions, or comments, and we'll read them on the air. Thanks for listening. 